0: Welcome to the Hope Story Podcast, where we share resources, encouragement, and hope for families of children with Down syndrome. Here's your host, husband, dad, and founder of Hope Story, Rick Smith.
1: Welcome to the Hope Story Podcast. This is Rick Smith, and I'm here with my friend and one of Hope Story's hope advocates, Sam bright up. Sam, how you doing?
2: Great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Awesome. So thanks for joining us today. We are in the middle of the, I guess, COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of folks are sheltering in place. There's a lot of, you know, I guess sad news out there, but there's also a lot of really good news. There's a lot of folks out there that have great stories to tell. And so I'm really excited for you to share a little bit about your story and your family's story today on the podcast. So let's just kick it off. Why don't you tell everyone listening a little bit about your family, how many kids you guys have, and a little bit about just your story.
2: Sure. Yeah. So my name is Sam, and I am a seventh grade math teacher. Um, My husband, Justin, is a lawyer downtown where we live, and we have two beautiful children. So our daughter, Emery, is three, and she has Down syndrome, and our son, Benji, Benjamin, but we call him Benji. He is one and they're just the cutest kids. It's just so amazing to watch them grow up and, you know, they're still so young. So with all this COVID stuff going on, you know, I don't think it's affecting them too much. Of course, it's affecting my husband and me, but so, you know, a little bit about our story with our Down syndrome diagnosis. So I had Emory in June of 2016 but we did not know she had Down syndrome until she was born. So at our 12-week ultrasound, you know, they they did some measurements and they noticed some things, but nothing was, you know, definitive. We decided not to get any extra testing. But what, the one thing that they did notice was that her neck was measuring a little bit thick. So that's called the nuchal fold. And sometimes that can, you know, provide insight as to a certain diagnosis or, or things like that. So they just pretty much listed off things that were possibilities, Down syndrome being one of them. But, you know, we just kind of progressed through the pregnancy as we normally would. We met with maternal fetal medicine. So they referred me to meet with them, talk to genetic counselors, only because there was a possibility of um, something like Down syndrome um, with Emory. But You know, they told us that I had a a slightly higher chance of miscarriage. So, of course, we were more upset about that than anything else. So, in my heart of hearts, I just, I kept praying that, you know, God just let me keep this baby and thank God he did, you know. So, Emery was born full term. Um, The only minor complication was that I needed an emergency C-section because now with hindsight, looking back, she has a heart condition. So when I was pregnant with her, having all those contractions, her little heart couldn't handle all those contractions. So they decided, you know what, let's just get her out. We had an emergency C-section and then that's when they noticed, um, you know, her facial features, but it was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of a nice moment with my husband there and me and having Emory on my chest. I just looked at her and I just knew that, you know, she had Down syndrome. So I kind of turned over to my husband. Of course, I'm, you know, I've, I've got all this medicine flowing through me. You know, I don't remember everything specifically, but I do remember looking at him and it was almost like a question and a statement, like she has down syndrome. And he just said, yes. And that was it, you know? So I think it kind of took a little bit of the pressure off of our medical professionals to, you know, quote unquote, break the news to us, you know, because I already knew, you know, And it it didn't change anything. You know, I wouldn't change anything about her birth story or anything. So, when we're recovering, her pediatrician comes in, and you could just kind of tell the pediatrician didn't know how to start the conversation. (laughs) So, and I'm the kind of person that I try to alleviate awkward situations, if that makes sense. So, I just said, We know she has Down syndrome. You know, this isn't. We're so happy. We were first-time parents. You know, she's our first baby. So she kind of, I I don't know, it seemed like she felt relieved that we kind of already knew based on the facial features. But they did the testing. You know, they came back with the blood work. Sure enough, trisomy 21. And they also noticed that she had a heart defect that needed to be operated on right around six months of life. So that that was nice. We were really blessed that she didn't have to have Open heart surgery as like a newborn. So we were able to take her home. You know, she was nursing, taking from bottles, you know, almost everything that a typical baby would do. So it was really nice. So they gave us some things to look out for just because she has a heart condition. And then five months old. So she actually ended up getting RSV, which is, you know, a really bad virus for babies, especially. And she had pneumonia. One of her lungs collapsed. So they were trying to figure out how to get her to breathe on her own again because she had to be intubated. So long story short, she needed to have a tracheotomy. Um, So her own airway was too floppy. It's called tracheomalacia. So her own airway was just too small and weak. It couldn't hold itself open. So she needed to be put on a ventilator that we ended up, pretty much having permanently, you know, so she has a trach to this day, but she's not on the ventilator anymore. So that was kind of nice. We were able to wean her off of it, but that was a huge transition. You know, the Down syndrome diagnosis site, I don't want to say minimal because it's a, it's a big deal, but the medical stuff was, I think the hardest to kind of grasp and and we're still grasping or uh, we're still, you know, kind of dealing with that, but That's kind of the short story. I know that was a long (laughs) explanation. No, that's great. That's that's great. Yeah.
1: Two follow-up questions. So what sort of heart defect or what sort of heart challenges does your daughter have? And then also tell us a little bit about, for a lot of families that may not have any experience with a trach or what that means, what does that look like? What is kind of practically does it look like that your daughter has a, a trach?
2: Yeah, so with her heart condition, they noticed right when she was born, she has something called AVSD, so atrioventricular septal defect. So she had two little holes in her heart that were basically causing her oxygenated and deoxygenated blood to mix, which is not what's supposed to happen in a heart. So after she had her tracheotomy placed, tracheostomy, then she was able to get her heart surgery shortly after. So she had her trach placed in December of 2016. And then once she had a stable airway, that was the whole point of that surgery so that she could breathe with a more stable airway. Then a month later, January of 2017, she had her open heart surgery. And luckily that was it. You know, Her heart was fixed. We follow up with cardiology maybe once a year And her heart has been fine since then. We're really lucky that she didn't really have any other follow-up issues with her heart. She had her heart repaired, and that was that. But as far as the trach, so she basically, she doesn't breathe out of her nose and mouth like we do. You know, she breathes out of a stoma, like in her neck, with this little apparatus that we call a trach, tracheotomy. But that's just so that she has somewhere to breathe from because her own airway is too closed off. So that's kind of the stable part where we can, you know, give her humidity or, you know, we have to suction quite a bit because she can't cough up, you know, like loogies or anything like that. She has to, you know, she needs help getting those suctioned out. But we were in the hospital for about three months after her trach was placed because it does kind of require a lot of training. So my husband and I were both in the hospital for that learning how to take care of a baby on a trach and on a ventilator. So, you know, you have to change that piece out of her neck once a week. You have to clean it every day. She cannot be unsupervised, even when sleeping. So that was another transition. When we got home, we have nurses that watch her every night, even today, So from when she came home up until today, we still have nurses that will watch her come to our home. They stay in her room with her and they watch her to make sure that nothing goes wrong. They can intervene. So that's been a huge blessing. I mean, it sounds weird that we have these ladies come into our house and watch our kid for us while she sleeps, but it's actually really necessary and we love them. They have become like family. It's been the same few ladies for years. You know, they're part of the family now. But life with a trach has been a transition, but it's our new normal. You know, we have, we had a lot to learn, but even now, I, I can't imagine life without it. You know, we're trying to get her surgery so that she can have the trach removed eventually. Um, unfortunately, it got postponed. It was supposed to be four days ago. <laughs> but with all this COVID stuff, they pushed elective surgeries back. So I think July will be her next surgery, at least that's when we're planning it, but that'll remove her tracheotomy so that she'll be able to breathe normally through her nose and mouth, but it's going to be quite a recovery.
0: Are you the parent of a child with Down syndrome and interested in sharing your story on a future episode of the Hope Story podcast? If so, please visit hopestory.org forward slash podcast and let us know. We may end up featuring your family's story on a future episode. And now, back to our show.
1: You know, you guys are really, you know, incredible parents to Emery. She's really blessed to have you guys. And Thank you. You know, I think like like so many of us, you don't really know what you don't know until you start walking in this journey. And then you realize, hey, you know what? I may not necessarily know how to be a pro about having a child with a trach. But you know what? I'm going to jump in do all I can to learn. And, you know, I think what I would encourage parents is whether it be a trach or a heart condition, even though those things are, uh, they can be scary. I think what you find is they're not necessarily as scary as what you thought they might be beforehand. Would you agree to that?
2: Right. I think it's just the unknown that yeah freak, that freaks you out more than anything. I, I found it really helpful to, talk with people. I mean, I know that's the whole point of hope story. And I love being a part of that movement. But for me, I was the the type of new mom that I wanted to seek someone to talk to who's been there. So I, I talked with a number of people who have kids with Down syndrome. I talked with a couple people who have kids on ventilators or trachs, some both Down syndrome and trachs, you know, because yeah. they're not necessarily you know, correlated that way. But it was really nice for me to have people to reach out to.
1: Awesome. Well, and then what's really great is I mentioned that you're a hope advocate for people that don't know necessarily what that is. They can learn more at hopestory.org, but you're able to now be a resource to your doctor and to their families so that you can, you know, share and connect to other new families in your community and be a source of hope. You you can basically be what other people were for you. Now you get a chance and opportunity to possibly be that for someone else, which is really awesome.
2: Right. And I love that. I did actually, I met with the same genetic counselor that talked to us when we had just had Emery. So I met with her and she was really super nice. I gave her my hope story, hope announcement with a picture of Emery on it. And it's nice to have that as a resource. I haven't gotten contacted by her since, but I do have an interesting story. So I, like I said, I'm a teacher. So one of my seventh grade students, a few weeks ago, came up to me and said, Mrs. Brightup, one of my, or she said, my sister just had a baby and the baby was born with Down syndrome. So I I thought maybe I could connect you guys. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're a really wise (laughs) student. Like that's a good idea. I would love to reach out to her. So I gave her my hope story card and you know, she's, she's going through the thick of it, bringing home her first baby and her first baby has Down syndrome. So it's almost like the same kind of experience, you know, all, all kids are different, but at least I could be someone that she could talk to and we're connected on Facebook now. So it was handy to have, you know, my hope story information to give to my student to pass on to her sister. That is encouraging. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Let me
1: ask you another question here. So what does a typical day look like for, for you guys? And I think even now the question is even a, a little bit more unique because most of us are sheltering in place, or staying at home, however you want to phrase that. But we're home a lot more than yeah. we were even just a few weeks ago. So what does a typical day look like for you guys? How are you guys maximizing this time? What does a day look like? Tell us a little, a little bit about that.
2: Sure. Yeah. So like I mentioned before, Emory has nurses that will stay with her when she's sleeping. So their shift is done at 8 in the morning. So for Emory, she'll usually wake up around... 630, maybe 645. Um, and she has to do a breathing treatment. So it's kind of like an inhaler, only it's just different for her because she basically takes the inhaler through her trach. And then she has this really like funny looking vest that does chest percussion on her. So all it does is kind of shake out all the stuff from her lungs so that she can clear them better. And that takes about 20 minutes. So when she wakes up, she does a vest treatment. Then she'll have breakfast with the nurse. And then when the nurse leaves, she's already nice and awake. So we're really spoiled in that way. She's woken up. She's changed. She's clean. So then we'll play with her. You know, she usually has, she plays with her brother all the time. Benji, like I said, is only one and they're the best of friends. So they'll, you know, have breakfast together. They like, they like when I read them books They dance, they watch TV, I mean, you name it. Everything, especially these days, because we're cooped up at home, it's really nice being home, just the the four of us. I was just telling my husband yesterday, you know, like, this is is kind of a blessing in disguise, you know, being home. When in life does everything just slow down and allow you to enjoy this time together as a family? So yeah, it's funny, I was just telling him that yesterday. But, you know, she'll play toys, play with her pr- her brother, play outside, loves to watch TV, nap time. We're currently in the middle of potty training, so that's kind yep. of, <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> yes. We've got a whole jar of M&Ms, so whenever she goes, she gets M&Ms, and I think she's trying to make that connection, so that's <laughs> exciting. I think she's missing her therapies, though, now that, you know, I guess those aren't essential. You know, we don't have people coming over to our house doing physical therapy or speech therapy with her. So we're trying to incorporate that, you know, Justin and me to, to kind of help her keep up with her therapies, but you know, we'll go on walks when it's nice. It's just, it's a slower life right now. And I'm, I'm not hating it. It's, it's not bad.
1: Yeah, that's good. I think this is, I mean, we have three children and you know, I mean, they, they do, you know, two of our children do sports and we have different things going on. And you know i it is a really unique time because eventually we will get back to you know in a sense the way things used to be and this mm-hmm. t- this will this season of life will will be behind us for the most part and i think yeah i think it's important for families to say hey what are the silver linings in this you know and I, it can be stressful i guess is, is a word you could use to have everyone at home everyone tight together for all day instead of you know school and work and all the other things but I think a silver lining is, yeah, how can you use this time to make really good memories with your family? How can you, Mm -hmm. you know, how can you really leverage this time that we have with our family in unique ways for the good? And so I think that's a really important thing for people to think about. Yeah, I agree. So tell us this, you know, Emery's your first child. She's also your only child with Down syndrome. What has surprised you the most about being the mom of a child with Down syndrome?
2: Good question. So you know, I thought about this and I think my answer would have to be that she, you know, she's so resilient, you know, she's had a lot and she's only three. She's had a lot going on in her life, but she's so resilient. She's still such a happy kid. Not all the time. She's got her moods. I'll tell you that. But, you know, she, she just makes it through everything. And I, I would just say that's been really surprising how resilient she's been through everything. You know, there are times when I'm not very tough. I, I take things pretty hard when when things happen to my kids, but she's just taking it like a champ. That's
1: awesome. Okay, so if you had a time machine and you could go back in time to when you first learned that Emery had Down syndrome, what are some things that you wish you could tell yourself now that you're a little further along in the journey than you were
2: when you first started the journey? Sure. I guess it would have been nice to know, I don't know, just how she would grow up. You know, she's, she's overcoming so much, like I said, but um, if I had to go back, I would have just wanted to know that raising her was going to be so much fun. I mean, this is, nothing's boring. There's, there's no, like, (laughs) nothing gets complacent around here. Everything's fun. And it's never boring. There's always something new with her. I mean, whether it be hospital stays or teaching her how to use eating utensils. Um, Potty training, of course, is quite the adventure. Learning new dance moves. I don't know. Everything is just so new. And it's just never boring. And I would have wanted to know that. I think that would have been comforting. It's not like when you have, when you learn that your child is going to have down syndrome. It's not like a prescription where this is how your life is going to be. Everything's exciting and, and new and fun.
1: Yeah. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Well, what are some of the resources that have been helpful to you these last couple of years on your journey?
2: Yeah. So, um, like I mentioned, right after I had her, I, I wanted to be connected. I needed to, you know, be surrounded with people that had similar journeys as me. So, Quickly, I found there's a group um, here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, that is pretty much all the parents of kids with Down syndrome, and I very quickly got plugged into that. It's been so nice. Every once in a while, we'll get together, you know, sometimes just the moms, sometimes the moms and the dads. We have Christmas parties, you know. Unfortunately, our World Down Syndrome Day party, March 21st, had to be canceled because of all the COVID stuff, but... I would say that, you know, just searching on Facebook, I'm sure in anyone's area, if you look it up, there's going to be a resource in your local area, people that you can connect with. But then, actually, one of the doctors that we met when we were in the hospital with Emery for her tracheotomy and heart surgery, they mentioned, they're like, I'm thinking of a family that you remind me of would it be okay if I gave her your email and have her reach out to you? And I said, sure, because this mom also has a daughter close to Emery's age, maybe a year or so older, who has Down syndrome and a trach. And it was super nice to talk to her and learn, you know, which nursing agency she used, which medical supply companies were good in the area. So I don't know. I think I just kind of took it upon myself to, <laughs> you know, go find people that I could connect with. And I know not everyone's like that. I know some people just kind of want to deal with things in their own time. But again, that's why I love Hope stories so much, because at least the options there to share your story and maybe that will help someone.
1: Yeah, that's good. You know, I was when Noah was born, I was told by someone that was connected with our local Down syndrome organization where we live, uh, something along the lines of, you know, there has never been a better time in the history of the world for someone to be born with Down syndrome. And that statement stuck with me and really encouraged me. And, And I think what that person meant in saying that is there are so many resources available today, so many opportunities for whether that be a therapy, therapies or schooling or community using Facebook, you know, the DSDN, that's another group that's out Mm -hmm. there that they help connect families, uh, you know, new moms and other families. That's a great group. And Facebook groups to, you know, what we're trying to do here with Hope Story, with connecting parents to doctors and parents to new parents. There's a lot of resources out there. One of those resources is what we're doing here at Hope Story. If you're a new parent listening to this and you want to connect with someone in your community, send us an email, hello at HopeStory.org. And let us know where you're listening from, and we can look to see if there's a Hope Advocate, which is another family raising a child with Down syndrome in your community, and we can try to make a connection for you so that you can actually have a real-life person that um, can sit down with you at some point when all of the social distancing is over and talk with you. But in the meantime, hopefully email you or call you. But I think the big idea here is that there are so many opportunities for you to connect with another person and know that you're not alone on this journey because feeling like you're alone can be really scary, really sad, but you're not alone. There are so many families out there that wanna connect with you and help you and encourage you. And so this is really a great time for a child to be born with Down syndrome and for parents of children with Down syndrome because there are so many resources.
0: At Hope Story, we believe one of the greatest gifts for new parents of a child with Down syndrome is a friend who also has a child with Down syndrome and is a little farther along in their parenting journey. That's why we're working to connect OBGYNs with families raising a child with Down syndrome so they can connect their patients with parents who can offer friendship, encouragement, and hope. We call this the Hope Advocate Process. To learn more, And to sign up to become a Hope Advocate, simply visit hopestory.org forward slash Hope Advocate. And now, back to our show.
1: Okay, so a couple other questions here. What are some of the dreams that you have for Emory, and how are those dreams different or similar than the dreams that you have for your other child?
2: Well, that is a good question. I guess on the surface, my dreams for both of them are not really much different. You know, I I want both of my kids to be happy and healthy and fulfilled and you know, feel accepted. And that might look different for both of them, but those are kind of the pillars of what my dreams look like for both of them. I can't wait to see what their interests are someday, whether it be sports or music or art. I mean, the sky is the limit, you know. I just cannot wait to see what they're interested in and what they want to do with their lives. But ultimately they are going to know that they have the support from me and Justin and our parents and our siblings. I mean, they have such a big support group. They're both really lucky. So I would say my dreams for them aren't really that much different.
1: Yep. I would agree. I think as a parent of, you know, three children, one of those children being born with Down syndrome that we want all of our all of our kids to be contributing members of society and fulfill their purpose and do what god created them to do and uh we just want to support them and help guide them in any way that we can let me ask you did you know anyone with down syndrome before emory was born
2: i did so my husband had a cousin who had down syndrome and unfortunately has passed away since so he didn't get to meet Emery. um that would have been the coolest reunion i think But it's funny that you ask because I, as a really young kid, like I didn't know anything about the world (laughs) as a really young kid, I thought that people with Down syndrome were all related because they had similar facial features. (laughs) I like literally thought that. So now that I'm kind of growing up and I have my own child with Down syndrome, we kind of are related, you know, like our families. Isn't that weird? As a young, naive little kid, I'm like, wow, they all kind of look similar. They must be related. (laughs) So now, you know, we're all part of this club, this family together, raising kids with Down syndrome. So I think it's funny kind of how that turned out.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you this then. So, you know, having someone in your family that has Down syndrome versus being a parent, of a child with Down syndrome. Has your perspective about maybe what you thought about people with Down syndrome changed at all? Or, you know, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Good question. So, I mean, my husband's cousin was for the most part nonverbal. But I I know that people with Down syndrome are all so different. So I didn't necessarily project that onto Emery. She's not speaking right now, but I think that's just the cause of having a trach. So I don't know. There's obviously things that, you know, majority of people think about people with Down syndrome, but I already understood that they're so vastly different. So I guess just raising Emery, I mean, she was my first kid. So I was just thrown into parenthood, you know, Mm -hmm. first time, you know, yes, she has Down syndrome, but I was navigating parenthood waters, you know, I, (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I've got a great support system, but you just learn as you go. And I think sometimes I almost forget Emery has Down syndrome, if that makes sense. It's just, she's my kid. She's my daughter. And everything I've had to learn how to do has, there's a not, you know, there's a very vague line between parenthood and parenting with Down syndrome, you know, because that was the first time for me. So everything's just kind of all blurred in there if that makes sense
1: no it does make sense thanks for sharing that i think one of the things that i think differently now than i did then is is maybe just how not a big of a deal having a child with down syndrome is if that makes sense that you know we we don't sit around and think about noah having down syndrome all day noah is just sort of noah and just kind of fades into the background of our family so that makes total sense last question and this is perhaps The most important question, especially if someone listening to this is a new parent that just found out that their child has Down syndrome, whose child possibly just received a Down syndrome diagnosis. And the question is, what would you tell a parent whose child has just received a Down syndrome diagnosis?
2: So I would say, first of all, congratulations. You know, you're going to bring your baby home. You're going to love your baby. I mean, Down syndrome or not. This is going to be quite the transition. Every baby is. But I don't know. I guess I would just say welcome to the club. Like I said, this is a family. This is this is like a club of people that has each other's backs. And whether you realize it or not, having a kid with Down syndrome kind of entered you into this community of people that will always advocate for you and advocate for your kids. So you're not alone. And you're going to spend your life advocating for your kid and your kid is going to advocate for themselves and it's going to be a really beautiful thing.
1: Great. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Sam. I'm so encouraged by your family and so encouraged by uh, just your story. I'm thankful for what you do as a teacher. I think teachers are, you know, absolute heroes and, uh, you know, just thank you for what you do and
2: thank you. you know, thank
1: you for the mom that you are and, and all of that. And so thank you for sharing your story on the podcast today.
2: Thanks. My pleasure.
1: Well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Hope Story Podcast. And we will talk to you again soon on another episode of the Hope Story Podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to the Hope Story Podcast. On our website at hopestory.org, you can find this episode's show notes, subscribe to our email list, and learn about how Hope Story is working to connect every OBGYN in America to a family raising a child with Down syndrome through our Hope Advocate process. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Hope Story podcast.